have said. Touch the people around you and say, he's got something for you this morning. <laughs> grab a seat, grab a seat, grab a seat. I have given this, uh, I like titles, so I think, you know, if you're scrolling through some podcasts and what to listen to, I think a title grabs you. So I've given this a natty little title today. I have called it Crazy Honest Besties. See, who knows that you need some crazy honest besties in your world? And who knows that you should be someone else's crazy honest bestie? So touch the person behind you you haven't spoken to yet and say, let's get a bit crazy. I wrestle with when I write messages. Yeah, we've got a bit crazy now. Come on, calm down, people. I like noise in my preaching, so don't sit there. If you agree with something I say, it's okay to go, yes, amen, go on, Pastor Barry, or something of that. There we go. Let's create some atmosphere. It's fun in church. I said to myself, what is it I'm trying to do? And I really ultimately want to stir you up to be a bit more like Jesus. You know, I want you to leave this place with some thoughts in your mind and some passion in your heart to say, come on, I want to take a step towards Jesus. This week, I want to be more like him than I've ever been before. And one of the things he says is, he's our friend. I call you friends. Now, who knows the old Israel Houghton song? I am a friend of God. No, it's just me who knows that song. Can we delete that bit out of the podcast? Anyway, he was singing some truth that only I clearly listened to. But the idea of weighing your life, you know, ultimately you could say your life is a whole bunch of choices. I know things happen to you, but when things happen to you, you still have a choice on how you're going to respond. And so about how we weigh life on what does friendship look like for me? How am I actually as a friend? Could I be better? Could I change some stuff? Am I actually just epic as I am? Maybe you are. But just see what I'm trying to say. We want to be more whole. Jesus said, I came to give you the the fullest life. Are you the fullest version of what a friend looks like? And do you have those people around you? I want to wrestle with some of that stuff today. And ultimately, whatever relationship you're looking at in your life, it will flow out of how your relationship is with God. Now, Jesus boiled it down. Love God, love people in that order. And so your relationship with God will affect how you see yourself and therefore how you see others. And you relate to people through that filter. So the first thing I want to commend to you is press into God. Make that the number one thing you do. I hope you have a lifestyle already. And if you don't make this a good choice, every morning, first thing you do, pray. Get into the word. Say, Jesus, I commit today to you. Use me to love someone. Make that your starting point. Press into him because it affects everything else. Amen? Come on, send some good stuff. Not many amens going on here. And so we want to draw near to him ultimately to become more like him. What does that even look like? You see, we know that God is love. God isn't good at doing love. God is love. And so if we're going to become more like him, we're going to become more like love. 1 Corinthians 13, I think it will come on the screen. I'm not going to read it to you, but it's the classic marriage ceremony verse, isn't it? Love is kind, love is faithful, love is, you know. But it's a description, it's a biblical description of love. So it's showing you what God looks like. And if we're going to become more like him, we're going to become more like that. And so if you look at that through the eyes of a friendship... Someone who's like God in a friendship, what does that look like? You will be more kind. You will be more faithful. You won't keep records of rules. Who's got great friends, but they always want to remind you of something you did 10 years ago? It's like, throw me a bone. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. 
And so you start developing this relationship with God. You become more like him and it has to affect how you treat people. Do you see what I'm saying? How good to have someone who's gentle with you sometimes. And love is gentle. And so if you're going to press into God, that will affect how you are as a spouse. It will affect how you are as a parent. It will affect how you are as a teacher. It will affect how you are as a friend or a potential friend. And so the first thing I want to challenge you to do is press into God, firstly and foremostly, because it affects every relationship. Amen? Come on, touch three people and say, press into God. Two questions I want to I wanna just throw out there if you're a note taker. This, who are you surrounding yourself with? And what are you bringing to the table? Good thoughts. Let me speak into the opposite of being around people and creating friendships, which is isolation. And isolation's a difficult thing. Who knows that in prison, isolation's a punishment? People get put in isolation for too long and they go a little bit stir-crazy and a bit, a bit mad. And it's a punishment. And yet so often it is so easy in life to isolate ourselves. Things happen, so you withdraw. And in the end, if you withdraw so much, you end up on your own. And who knows, that is not good. And we need to be able to push past ourselves to get around people. Spiritually speaking, it's not good. The word has lots and lots and lots and lots and lots to say about relationships. Two are better than one. One keeps the other one warm. One can kill a thousand, two can kill ten thousand. There's a multiplication. The Bible talks loads about friendships. Jesus says, I long to gather you, which is why it's so good you come out on a Sunday to gather together because it's at the heart of the Father that we get together in relationship. Love God, love people. And so otherwise, we do it on our own and there's this, there's this horrible idea of you become wise in your own eyes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, like, it's in the Proverbs. It says, you know, don't become wise in your own eyes. If you've got no one else to be a bouncing board, if you've got no one else to wrestle some stuff through, you'll just think you're right. And we all do it. Clearly, I'm always right, but you lot just need to wrestle through a little bit. But you know, you can see the point I'm trying to make. Here in Proverbs 18 verse 1, it says this. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. That's God's word saying that, not me. Here's the thing, you get on your own and you've got plans to do and, you start, and what you do is you can only ever see it from your perspective. And so therefore, you're not talking it through with anyone else. You spend time on your own and you justify everything else that could be wrong about it and you make it right and you become wise in your own eyes. And then when someone else comes and says, yeah, but have you thought about this? You're like, no, no, you, you possibly couldn't know what I'm going through. You don't know anything about my sin. You rage against wise judgment. And we're all capable of doing that. I hope you don't, but I bet there are times in life we've all at least done it. The Bible says, don't do that. It's not cool. Because you end up isolated, wise in your own eyes, and making poor choices. The counsel of many is good. So much biblical stuff about doing life together. So today we're going to look at friendships. And friendships ultimately force you not to make it about you. A good friend won't be someone who's all about me. How, how difficult is it when you get together with a friend and there's that one person who all they want to do is talk about themselves? And you're like, oh dear, who invited them? Because a great friend will tell you their life, will tell you what they're up against, will tell you their victories and their successes, but they'll want to hear yours. And you do it together. 
And so we want to be people and we want to be a church that pursues the idea of Jesus set us a model of being a great friend. We need to reflect that. The church should be full of great relationships. But to do that takes effort. And to do that, it means you have to be present, which is why we're pressing into this idea of connect groups. Be present. Get to one. Why? Because you get some wise counsel. You get to wrestle some stuff through. You get to stand with something. You might have the one bit of wisdom that someone else needs to hear. And if you're not in the room, they miss out. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So we need to do this life together. And I know I'm pushing against something. It hasn't become our culture. Let's make it our culture. Come on. Touch three people and say, get to a group. (laughs) Sam Monk, who is, you know, the leader the governor, the boss man of Equippers Worldwide, he has this great saying, and I wonder if we could sort of get that into our vocabulary. He says this, Equippers churches are a group of friends challenging each other to go higher in Christ. It's like none of us is there, but how about we spur each other on a bit? How about we challenge each other? How about we pick each other up when we stuff it up and not judge each other, but push each other higher? And as we do that together, we go further, we achieve more, and we laugh lots. That's the vision, part of the vision in Equippers Church. We need to do it together. But you get to choose your friends. Don't always get to choose your family. Sorry, Dan. But you get to choose your friends. And the great thing is, I hope today you'll have a little reflection. Are you hanging with the right crowd? Are you in the right group? Who do you spend your time with? These are good life thoughts. But here's the thing. As he's saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And the reason is this, that when you get around people and spend a long time with them, you talk. And as you talk about stuff and maybe life choices and decisions and careers and partners and parenting and work and all this stuff, you talk and it gets into your thought process. And thoughts become words and words said enough become actions And actions become habits. And before you know it, you're living a certain way because of the people you've been hanging out with. And so that's why it's so important. You decide, you decide who you're going to hang out with. Because they will influence you. You'll sit there and think, no, no, Barry, they don't influence me. I influence them. Do you? Can you ask those serious questions? You do need friendships where you go in and you are the influence. Of course, we're here to represent Jesus. But get real. Who's really influencing who? Because so many people come to me and I look at the choices they're making and I'm thinking, who on earth are you hanging out with? That's literally the worst choice I've ever seen in my life. But we all think we're wise and we've got it all right. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Who you're hanging out with consistently does affect you. Biblical stuff. So make good choices. Let let that seep into you right now. Who are you going to hang with? And if you aren't in the right friendship group yet, find it. Do you know what? We've got good credit groups. (laughs) Seriously, find it, find it, find it. But I like to think of friendship groups like this. It's got to be balance. We don't want to be that church or you don't want to be that Christian where we surround ourselves with what I call a weird Christian bubble. Do you know what I mean? Where we're all so, all, we're all saved and we all believe in Jesus and we're all pressing on for the kingdom. Of course, passion. But if you're only ever with Christian people, who are you influencing? Who are you showing Jesus to? Your saved friend? If you haven't got any unsaved friends, can I say, include that in your mix of your thinking. Get some. 
Sarah and I have made it a thing this year that we, we want to create a, a new friendship we didn't have last year. And it, wants, it needs to be someone who's not yet in church. But I promise you this, they will be in church this time next year. Because we're going to embrace them, love them. And just because of who we are, we will show them what Jesus looks like. And when you so show someone what Jesus looks like, it's very compelling. Because Jesus is flipping brilliant. The world's got this opinion of Jesus and it's so far off the mark. He is amazing. And the only way people are going to see it is in you. But if you're surrounding yourself only with your Christian friends and family, who are you showing it to? So there needs to be some balance. Get that in your thought process. Balance it with who's influencing who and who's speaking into your life. But how about you get strong enough in your faith that you can go into an unsafe friendship group and influence the group for Jesus? Now, we've got Movie May coming up again in May. Who, who, who came to Movie May last year? It's so brilliant. We're going to do three movies. It's a five-week month. The middle three, we're going to do three movies. And we, we preach the gospel out of films. And so you do five-minute clip, a five-minute preach, five-minute clip, five-minute preach, five-minute clip, five-minute preach. So half an hour. Last year, we had 40-something visitors and about 27, I think it was, responses to the gospel. Twelve of them still with us. Some of them on the row here. But if you haven't got an unsaved friend, who are you going to invite? So get a friend before May. Challenge yourself. You're a very nice person. You'll bless someone. Barry, I've got no mates. Are you with me? But here's a thought process. S consider splitting your friendship groups into three categories. Someone who's ahead of you. Someone who you look at and you think, they're doing what I want to do. They're where I'd like to be. I need to hang out with them because they've got some wisdom that I don't yet have and I need to learn. So maybe you're just about to have a baby and you think, oh, I need to hang around with some, some parents and mums and dads and glean from them because there are so many books, there are so many opinions, you can go on the internet and see every variation. But who do you value? Do you look at a couple and think, I look at your kids and you've done something good there, I value what you say. Get yourself around those people because they're ahead of you. Maybe you're a business person. Maybe you've got an idea to, to start a business or you've got ideas of, of working in the city or, or, or being wealthy, financially wealthy. Well, get around people who are doing it because they've got some wisdom you haven't yet got. And so you're looking and saying, I admire you. There's something in you. I need to be in your friendship group. So wheedle your way in there somehow so that you could be their mate. Yeah? Because everyone needs someone ahead of themselves. Otherwise, you think you know it all. And I promise you this, you don't know it all. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to learn from their skills. You know, if you, I always said, if you want to be a great golfer, go and hang around with great golfers. If you want to be a great horse rider, go and hang around with great horse riders. If you want to be a great parent, if you want to be a great preacher, if you want to be a great prayer, get around people who are doing it ahead of you and let them let it seep out of them into you they'll be very willing to help because who doesn't like it if someone comes to you and says I really admire you could you help me who's going to say nah people love it it's like wow you saw something in me that's really cool so consider in your friendship group who are you close to who's ahead of you and sowing into you then you need peers a big chunk of your friendship group should be people who are at the same level as you are at, where you can encourage them and you can receive encouragement from them. You wrestle through life together and you do it and you're, 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 you're peers. Do you see what I mean? That is an important group. And finally, there will be people beneath you. And I mean that in the reverent way. Not that you're better than them, but you're doing what they hope to do. Maybe you're already a parent. Maybe you're already in ministry. Maybe you're already a musician. Maybe you're already a business person at a level. And someone's looking at you going, you're, you're doing what I want to do. 
could we spend some time together? Well, the answer, church, needs to be yes. I'd love to help you. Because then you're looking at people ahead, which is causing you to stretch yourself and grow. You're doing life with peers, which is fun and share the wrestle. And then you're also helping people. It's very balanced and very healthy. Can you see the picture I'm trying to create? You need all of those friendships in your life. When I look at me, in terms of, say, working in ministry, I have Pastor Peter, who's preached here lots of times. He's been in ministry 45 years. He's grown a church from 38 to, to 1,200. He's preached at Hillsong. He's preached all around the world. He's led a Bible college. He's amazing. And I look at him and go, well, you're doing what I want to do. So I make sure I speak to him. This week, just gone. He's in New Zealand right now, but I had a FaceTime with him. And I can ask him the questions of wrestling through and get his advice. It's helpful to me to have someone like him. Otherwise, I look around and go, church is great. Aren't I amazing leading this group? But then you look at someone who's ahead of you and go, wow, I've got a long way to go. And I want to stretch myself to to be a better version of myself. I want to attain the full potential and the fullness that Jesus put in me. And to do that, I need some help. So do you. Do you see what I'm saying? I have people like Mark Collard, who again you see him preach here. I call him a peer. We're a similar age. We're at a similar level in ministry. We wrestle it through together. We laugh lots. Our wives get on. We have good times. And I value that. And so does he. So he tells me. It's, but we wrestle it together. He's a peer. But then I have some great people here. You know, even say Aya, who's worshiping, worship leading today. An amazing guy. But I get to speak into his life. And how great is it for me to see Io growing and being stretched and and blessing more people because of the conversations we've had. And so for me, in terms of my ministry, I have these three groups and I value that and it's healthy for me. You need that. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's important. So let's look at this idea of friendship, this idea of crazy, honest besties. Let's look at this story. I think most of you will be familiar with it from Luke 5, uh, verses 19 through 25. It says this. Um... When they could not find a way to do this, because this is the story where they're bringing the lame guy on a stretcher and pushing him through the roof. There's a great big crowd around Jesus and they can't get him to Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, there's that word. How does Jesus view us? Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Always a bit dodgy when you think something around Jesus. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Come on, that's my Jesus. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on, and went home praising God. Hallelujah. That's my Jesus. Now there's a whole bunch of preachers in there, and I love the one that says, you know, something's been holding you in life, and when you get in front of Jesus, he says, get up, take hold of the thing that's holding you, and walk out with it. You're in charge of your life. It's not carrying you anymore. That's a different preach. I want to look at the friends here. These friends are crazy. They love this guy and he's lame. He's struggling in life. He's crippled. He's not living at his full potential at all. And they love him. It's my mate. I don't want to see you living like this. And they hear about Jesus. And something stirs in their heart. If we could get him in front of Jesus, Jesus could do something here. That's their faith. But where the crazy comes in 
is that they walk up with their best friend and it's heaving. Who knows, when Jesus is in the house, it gets heaving. It's heaving. They can't get there. So what do the crazy friends do? Do they go, no, it's a bit busy. Uh, Maybe we'll try another date. Oh, never mind, come on. No, 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 they're crazier than that. They're like, there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way. And they're having a little look around. I wonder at this point, they're just putting down, it's getting a bit heavy. Put him down, have a little look. Oh, we can't get to the door. Look, they're all spilling out the door. What are we going to do? And then the craziest of the crazies says, there's a roof. We could get on the roof. And they had these stairs up the side. You'd see in the old, old buildings in Israel. And so they pick up them in the crazies. I can just imagine their eyes. Oh, we're going to get in there. And they climb up onto the roof. And they dig a hole in someone else's roof. I don't know whether, I'm going to assume the owner's in the building. At what point in your own home do you see the roof caving in and think, hallelujah, praise the Lord Jesus in the house? (laughs) The roof starts caving in and then some dude gets laid down on a stretcher. See, the crazies are like, we love this guy. He's crippled in life and it's not okay with us. We will do whatever it takes to make this man's life better because he's my mate and it's not okay for my mate to be crippled in life. I want to tell you there are people in our world that are crippled in life right now. They may be able to walk, but they're going round and round in circles around the same thing. They've got mental health issues. They've got financial problems. They've got relationship breakdown and they're not living the fullest life at all. And you're their mate. Could we get a bit crazy? We've got to get some people in front of Jesus. And I don't care what it takes, I'm going to do it. I'm not advising you to start digging holes in roofs. But you get the point. These guys were like, I don't care. We've got to get him there. Because I'm crazy in love with this guy. He's my mate and it's not okay. And they put him down. And what does Jesus do? What a disgrace. You just dug a hole in someone else's roof. No, no, no. He says, I saw your faith. It's unsaid, but I also believe he saw their love for one another. You've got some crazy friends. And I have to respond to this crazy love that's backed up by your faith that says that I've got to get him in front of Jesus. But then all the religious people chip in, don't they? Who loves a good old religious person? Oh, how dare you heal this man? What? Literally, what? And then Jesus says, well, I I don't know, maybe you don't want me to say I have authority. That that upsets you too much. I do have authority, but I don't want to offend you. How about get up? And he gets up. We We don't hear anything more of the friends. But imagine the after party. Imagine the friends hanging out going, that was a mad day. That was unbelievable. Well, we could have gone home, but we pushed through. Whose idea was it to go up on the roof, you nutter? (laughs) But we're crazy about each other. And I don't care what I've got to do, but you're not being crippled anymore because I'm in your life. I've got to do something about it. See, we need some crazy friends. Could I stir up some crazy in you? Next week when you come to the church, I want the eyes going, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? <laughs> All jokes aside, are you hearing the point? You need some crazy people. Could you be someone's crazy bestie who just does what it takes to help them? Have you got a crazy bestie in your world who you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, when push comes to shove, they will do whatever it takes for you. If you haven't got that person, find that person. Because we love and need a crazy bestie in our lives. I had this story, and 
Um, Stephanie, who hasn't been able to come this morning, but I'm going to say it was about eight years ago. And uh, at the point, Stephanie was living in Romford or Dagenham or somewhere east London. Um, and I had my first international um, preaching engagement. I got to speak in Germany all this time ago. And my plane arrived at Gatwick coming home. And I think it was about 1.30 a.m., 2 a.m., stupid o'clock in the morning. And I needed to get back. And obviously Sarah had the, our very young children back then. And it was just, oh, who do we ask? And I was just talking about it. And Stephanie comes up to me and she just goes, I'll do it. Oh, you're crazy. But I like it. <laughs> and so there I bowl in at half past one, two o'clock in the morning to Gatwick. And who's standing there? Got a crazy Stephanie. And I loved her for it. Because she didn't care what it took or what time it was or what it cost her. She wanted to get the man she considered her representative of God, her pastor, her friend back home. She was crazy. But the story develops. So Sarah and I thought, how lovely. She doesn't live. We can't expect her to drop me home, go thanks very much and send her back to Dagenham. We'll put her up for the night. And we've got a spare room, but we didn't have a spare bed. It's an empty room. And uh, so we bought, we bought one of those uh, camp beds. Do you know those like metal framed ones that sort of fold into three bits? Do you know the ones I'm talking about? And if you don't open them all the way up and back, they just flat back again. Do you know those? Are, we, so we thought, we, they're cheap enough. That'll be for one night. She'll be fine. So we bought this camp bed. And Sarah's brilliant. She dressed it all and she put really big, thick covers over it. So when you looked at it, it looked like a proper bed. Until we pulled the covers back. What we didn't realise is that it wasn't your average standard size camp bed. It was really skinny. It was about half size. And so poor old Stephanie's got me back home. It must be now knocking on four o'clock in the morning. I don't know, certainly half past three in the morning. We're tired. She's driven. She's served me. She's been a bit of a crazy friend. And I loved her for it. Go and enjoy your bed. <laughs> she, she was trying to sleep on this bed, but she was just like, it's too many. Anyway, in the morning, we went, oh, just sleep all right. She said, well, and she was all respectful because she didn't want to say the wrong thing. She said, well, it wasn't the most comfortable. I just decided to sleep on the floor in the end, and we were mortified. But then later, well, later on after breakfast, we said, oh, what do you mean? She went and laid on it, and it actually wasn't as wide as her. And, and, and she was not a big girl, but she was just like, she was like, I'll spill it. And we were like, oh, how embarrassing. But she was my crazy friend. And we'll never forget that story. And I want to encourage you. Find that crazy person who will do whatever it takes because I tell you what, you'll have some stories to tell down the line that make you laugh but draw you closer. That you helped each other and you stood together and you made each other's lives better. Do you see how important it is for friendships? Here's a, another story, you know, the, another very familiar story. You know, the, the Good Samaritan. Let's read a little bit about it here in Luke 10, verses 30 through 36. Um, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor or friend to 
the man who fell in the hands of the robbers. You see, we can say, oh, we're the church, we love people. But the question is, do we? And so here's this guy, and Jesus is telling this story of a man who's in desperate, desperate need. And the people who represent the church walk past. And yet, we're representing the best friend, Jesus. Surely, church, we need to develop some compassion in our hearts. Because this guy wasn't his friend, he didn't know him. But he was a fellow human being. And he looked at him and he said, you know, we don't speak, our cultures don't interact, but you know what, I can see you're struggling. And the love in me in terms of friendship of people is too strong to do nothing. So I'm going to respond. And I love what he does. He goes over and above. He doesn't just so patch him up and go home. He patches him up, takes time out of his busy schedule, takes him to an inn, looks after him, and then pays his own money to say, make sure he's okay. And I'm going to come back and check he's okay. And if there's any more expense, I'll pay you even more. See, that is a friend. It's a friend that looks at a problem and doesn't go, oh, that's sad, isn't it? Oh, so difficult for them people. Anyway, down the pub. A friend looks at the situation and is moved to say, you're a person. And I want to treat you how I'd want to be treated in that situation. A crazy friend steps in and makes a difference. You know, I love this from Shane Willard. Here's something that Shane Willard says. Good works is giving to the needy. Divine works is showing someone their true worth to God. And what this person has done, he hasn't just given him something. He's shown him how important he was to him. You are so important. I'm going to stop my busy day. I'm going to pay the expense because you are valuable. That, more than anything, showed that man he was worth something. Come on, church. Could we be the kind of people who show other people their worth to God? People need friends. You may not know them in terms of how we view friends, but they're a person and they need Jesus, and you walk into their situation, what would Jesus do, classic wristband? He would step in. He would pay for it. He would make it better, because there's a little bit of crazy love in there. So could we wrestle through that? I remember some years ago, before I met my my wife Sarah, I was engaged for six years to a girl before I met Sarah, and we'd agreed to be married, and cutting a very long story short, we, we separated, and it was difficult. Because who knows when in your own mind you thought my future's panned out, I'm sorted. I don't have to do this whole dating game and looking for women and all that kind of stuff that's sometimes difficult. I thought I was sorted. And then suddenly, six years in, you have to start again. And you're like, now I was, I'm, I'm a bit older and I don't know if I can be bothered to do all this and the rest of it. And it was difficult for me. But there's a guy called Simon Lasky who at the time was a friend to me. He was a busy guy and married himself and building a home and he drove me out to Mersey and we just had a little walk along the beach there and he said Barry just pick up a stone and treat that as the relationship and throw it into the sea he said if God wants you to have that relationship back he'll wash it in but if he doesn't there'll be something better for you and it just it, it helped me just to process because on the overall scheme of life I broke up with someone loads of people break up with people big deal but it's, it's personal isn't it I was hurting at the time, and he just gave me some time. And more than what he said, it was just that he he added value to me. He said, Barry, you are worth me giving my afternoon up, away from my family, to stand with you. That, as much as anything else, said something to me. Question, who would you give your time up for? 
to show them that they're worth something to the king of kings. It might cost you money. It might cost you time. It might be inconvenient. But you could change someone's world if you actually start acting like a friend. Who could do with a friend like you? Lots of people. Here's a different thought. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. How many people in your world do you know that will tell you, oh, you're so amazing, oh, what you did there was brilliant, but deep down really you think, I'm not sure if it was. But a real friend who speaks the truth in love, Ephesians 4, will come in and say, you could have done better there. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You could have done better there. And it's, ouch. You know, you're making these life choices and I can see you and it's just not going where you want life to go. And it's difficult for me and awkward. But you know what? I love you too much. I've got to say something because I want to see you healthy. I want to see you going in the right direction. And it's painful. But the Bible says the wounds from a friend can be trusted. Really, the question is, what's motivating the comment? Because so many people in church use that Ephesians 4 You're a real cow, just speaking the truth in love. (laughs) What motivates that kind of comment? So you can see as a clever individual and a friend yourself, does this person love me? Have they got my best interests at heart? And therefore, what they're saying I need to take seriously, or are they just one of these people who's going to tell me what they think's right and, and put a biblical slant on it? Loads of people do that. Know the truth. Wrestle through it. But we need to be people who can be genuine friends and have genuine friends because otherwise we become wise in our own eyes. And you need someone in your world, and I would say people, plural, in your world, who you will listen to. And here's the, here's the kind of raiment. We, we need to be humble enough to hear it. We need to be brave enough to say it. But we need to be gentle with each other to walk it out. And so this ultimately is kind of this description of love, isn't it? It's gentle. It's kind. It's faithful. It doesn't keep a record of the wrongs, but it sees the best in you. And sometimes you need a friend to tell you, come on, you're better than this. And I'm only saying this because I love you. I've got no other motivation. I don't want to tear you down. I want to push you up. But we need to be humble enough to say, I needed to hear that. And maybe years down the line, after the pain sets in, and oh, that was hard to hear, and you've made a different choice, maybe you look back and go, do you know what? That was the best thing that was ever said to me because it shifted my thought process. What a good friend you were. That's a tough one. But don't we want friendships at that level where there's no no-go areas? Do you see? Sometimes we're all buddy, 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 buddy until we talk about something a bit serious and a bit contentious and a bit, ooh, and then are your friends. But that's a wrestle, and there are levels of friendship. But let's kind of be looking to become that person. Um, You know, I look at me, and I think stories in preaching are quite helpful. And, you know, when I started this church, I hadn't had formal training. You know, clearly God has said to me, build the church. And I thought I'd preach one message and the whole culture to get saved. And uh, we change the world. But the reality is growing a church and leading a church has its ups and downs and it is tricky. But as a young guy, you think, well, God told me I can do it. I'm the authority here. I know it all. Until you don't know it all. 
And many times I've had to have people speak into my life, go, oh, you're making a bad, that's, that's a bad call. And as a younger guy, I'll be pushing against it. No, God's called me. I know, I know. There's probably people sitting in this room right now going, yeah, I was there. I was in that moment. Yeah. I had to speak to you. And they were right. But even as a leader, you have to be humble enough to hear it. No one, no one on the planet is right about everything. Are you humble enough to allow someone who cares about you to speak in, motivated by love? Now, you may disagree with what they say, but be humble enough to hear it. Be humble enough to test it. Be humble enough to go to some people and wrestle it through. But a real crazy friend can also be honest. And we need some crazy, honest besties where there's no no go areas. Are you hearing me? Am I preaching good? Come on. When we look at Jesus, he is our best friend. He says in John 15 and verse 13, no greater love has anyone than to lay his life down for his friends. You know, what an act of love to say you are more important than me. I'm willing to give over the things that are important to me to make you succeed. And ultimately, that's what Jesus did. He literally laid his life down. He went to a cross and his motivation was love. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And he looked on humanity. He looked on me and you and he says, I love those guys. I'm a bit crazy about them. I'll do whatever it takes. And the father and the son have a conversation. And the father says to the son, would you go? Come on, we need to repair the distance between us and them. And Jesus looked at you and he looked at me. He says, yeah, I will. And he came to earth and lived this incredible life, demonstrating what the Father looks like, demonstrating heaven on earth. Everywhere he went, he made people's lives better. Everywhere. People wanted to be around him. Crowds formed everywhere. And then he got sent to a cross that he didn't deserve. Done nothing wrong. They trumped up charges on him. They gave bribes out to vote against him. And he hung on a cross. And he looks down at me and you while dying a death he didn't deserve. And says, this is what love looks like. This is how I love you. And in that moment, the Bible says that all the sin of humanity rested on Jesus. And when we talk about sin, the word sin means missing the mark. It's not a word we use so much in church, but everyone on the planet misses the mark. I'm going to say everyone in this room has missed the mark today. Said something wrong, thought something wrong, responded wrong, got a stinky attitude. They're wrong. And it causes separation between us and God. But Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll take it. And it says all of the sin of humanity rested on Jesus. In that moment, his own father couldn't look at him. Because every stupid thing I've ever done rested on Jesus. And the father went, I can't even look at it. It's so bad. And Jesus went, this is what love looks like. I'm doing this for you. And he died. But he went down and had a confrontation with Lucifer. And he said to Lucifer, you've not got me. He said, yeah, but you're in hell. He said, yeah, but I don't belong in hell because I've not sinned. And the punishment for sin is death. I haven't sinned, so I can't die. And he grabbed the keys of life. And he rose again. And he said, this is what love looks like. And he sets me up. And he says, now, Barry, you come to me. And I'll put you in touch with the Father. And if I put you in touch with the Father, you'll become more like him. And you'll start to love people better. And you'll start to live better. And you'll start to dream bigger. And you'll have a peace in your heart that you can't buy anywhere. 
But the reason you can have that is because I showed you what friendship looks like. And it looks like this. Could we represent that well? Could we be a bunch of people who look at our humanity and don't whack them around the head with our faith? Don't Bible bash them and say, do you believe? Could we love some people? Could we show people what Jesus looks like? Could we actually inconvenience ourselves to lift someone else up? Because then people will go, wow, you're amazing. What is it about you? And You can say, it's my Jesus. He motivates me. He's changed my world. And because he loved me, I want to love you. Because he said, love God, love people. And I want to be your friend. And I want to show you what friendship really looks like. And it costs me something. But it's worth it. That's my Jesus. I hope it's your Jesus. Because he is a game changer. Proverbs 18.24 says this. One has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's a mandate for us as friends. But it's also a great description of Jesus. He sticks to you. When life's horrendous, do you know who's going to be there? Jesus. When you're on the top of the mountain dancing and celebrating some victory in your life, do you know who's going to be there? Jesus. When it's mediocre and you're ticking along, do you know who's going to be there? Jesus, because he sticks closer than the brother. He's your friend. And he gave up everything for you so that you could win in life. And he's worth it. And our mandate as the church is to reflect that. I want to be your friend. I want to do what it takes to make your life better. I need people to help me and I want to help people. I need people to wrestle all through with. But know this, I want to love you like Jesus loves you. Because he's the best friend. Is there an amen in the house? Should we stand up? I'd love to pray for you. Are we able to tweak my mic so it stops doing weird things? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, let's all close our eyes and just have a moment with our best friend. Father, again, I want to pray for every amazing person here. Lord, I pray that we would consider all that's been said today. That we would be a group of people who would take this seriously and wrestle through our lives, our friendship groups, who we spend time with, who's influencing who, who's ahead of me, who's my peers, who am I helping. Let us make great choices. Let us never be people who become wise in our own eyes. And push against all wisdom. But let us learn to do life together. Embracing all the different skills around us. But Lord, we want to thank you. That you demonstrated what friendship looks like. That you literally laid your life down for people like us. And then you invite us into the most amazing friendship any person could ever have, ever. And it changes our lives. So we say thank you. Let us be people who love like you do. Just with every eye closed, I always love to give an opportunity. I just wonder 
having heard that kind of message where there's people in the room that says, I need my friendship with Jesus to be central. Maybe you're someone who's never had a friendship with Jesus and you're like, wow, I, I need him in my life. Maybe you're someone who's got a bit off kilter and you're like, Jesus, I want you to be the middle again. I need you. If that's you today, we just with every eye closed, I'd love you just to shoot your hand up because I want to pray with you. I mean, is that you today who wants to get right with Jesus? God bless you there. God bless you over there. God bless you here. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity. Lives are getting put right with Jesus. So, so good. Let's never take that for granted, church. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'll pray a line. Let's all pray this prayer together. As people say, Jesus, I need you. Let's pray a prayer. Father God, thank you that you love me, that you're my friend, but also my Lord and my Savior. Today, I invite you to live in my heart and to be central to my life. Lead me forward from this day forth. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate with heaven.